Hi, this is Peter Rivera, and I'm the original drummer and lead singer of the group Rare Earth. We've had a long career, 50 years. We've played all over the world. We've recorded many, many albums and lots of hit singles. I'm going to talk about them all. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the stories. So I'll tell you, after the session with Norman doing Losing You, we were kind of confused, you know, where are we going here? We, we've done some songs with Tom, and now we do this Norman thing. And then we went back in the studio, the rehearsal room, everything, and continued working with Tom Baird. It's a very touchy situation that we were in at the time, because Tom was probably, like any other person, he was probably... Well, mildly insulted or, or or maybe felt insecure about his standings with Motown or whatever. But when they threw, when they put Norman in, that kind of like, oh, well, we thought we were doing so well. We're going in this direction. And, oh, okay. Hey, great. Come on in, Norman. I mean, you know, you got to go there. You can't say, what do you mean you're bringing Norman in? You can't do that. Because, well, you can't. Obvious reasons, folks. So, uh, anyhow, we managed to, to get on through that and, and uh, do some other songs with Tom. Uh, did an Eleanor Rigby production thing. I mean, we had some fun doing that album. but And at the same time, we got hit records on Born to Wander and Losing You. And kind of to this day, I really love playing Born to Wander, and I love playing Losing You. Born to Wander is, uh, gosh, I've just been doing that song for almost 50 years, and I don't get tired of it because the lyric and the whole experience of that song, for me, lives on. And it's still very exciting. It's, it's still a lot of fun to do, to do Born to Wander. And Losing You is so much fun because every time we do that song, it comes out a little different because we've allowed room in there for, for different solos and different musical things to happen. And and all of a sudden, if, if Danny or Joe gets an idea about something we can do within Losing You, well, we try it out. We see how it works. And then even when we go to play it, the way we practice it, it comes out different. It's okay with me because losing you seems to always work. It's a great groove, and uh, we just, I love to play losing you. I remember when we did it on the road way back. God, sometimes it was like 20 minutes long, and sometimes we'd take off on some of this improvisation stuff that was just crazy lots lots of fun losing you as long as we're talking about this you know with losing you and born to wander i'm going to go on a little bit about the ecology album which was our second album get ready was the first and then here came ecology kind of funny mixed feelings about it i i love the some of the songs on there Born to Wander, certainly, I just talked about it, and then Losing You, it's on the same album. 
we did a huge, huge uh, orchestrated rendition of Eleanor Rigby with the violins and the strings and the singing and the, just a joyous experience. Because first of all, I mean, Eleanor Rigby, uh, you know, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, I mean, they were really beyond the beyond as far as I'm concerned. And they wrote just great songs and so it was kind of a tribute to the Beatles and, and uh, also we enjoyed what we could do with Eleanor Rigby. John Persh had uh, uh, original bass player, you know, still with the group. He had written a couple of ideas of his and he had a song that Tom really liked and we wondered where we'd go with it, you know. But we started working on it, starting to get a groove, starting to get a little, uh, you know, foundation for the feel of the song. The song was called Nice Place to Visit. And I, I, I like the song. I love the way John sang it. And, uh, so we worked on that with Tom, of course, and, and uh, Tom Beard was really responsible for helping us develop what our sound would be. And, he, you know, he understood drums and rhythm, and he understood bass and guitars, keyboards, everything. I mean, he was a genius, this guy. He was kind of like our own personal George Martin that the Beatles had. We relied on him a lot for the direction of our confusion. We were all trying real hard to do everything great, and you know, uh, you need you need you need a producer. I believe that I need a producer because when I find a producer that turns me on with what he does, then to me it's kind of an honor to work with someone that good. And you have to get to a point where you trust the producer. I mean, I'm in the control room here on a microphone. The producer's in the control room on the other side of the glass sitting at the console. And when you sing something, or play something, but mainly for me, when I sing something, I want to know, well, how is that? And I used to go in the studio sometimes, I'd have an engineer only with me, and I'd sing something. And I say, well, how is that? And the engineer would always go, that sounded good. And I'm sitting here going, that sounded good. Uh, I'm not, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting you on this. So I'd work a little longer, whatever. I'd say, well, what do you think of that? Oh, that sounds good. Okay, so I guess what I'm finding out is, unless I can answer the songs, answer the questions myself about what I just sang, then I really enjoy having a producer. Because I'll sing a line 20 different ways. And I trust in him that he'll hear one where everything adds up. And it's like, okay, there it is, print it. Uh, you get that feeling with a producer that you trust, and uh, it's a great, greatest feeling in the world because you feel like you're just reaching everybody through that producer.
As a little side thought <clears throat> regarding producers and people that are handling you in a recording situation. You know, trusting the computer comes from, uh, no, excuse me, trusting the producer comes from experience with that particular person. In other words, I, I don't listen to so much of what they say if they're saying a lot of stuff. I kind of watch their mannerisms. I kind of listen to when we hear something that that he likes. Is that where that I liked that too, or, you know, and, and so it's kind of like you're searching to try to, he's like a, you're like a magnet and you're trying to latch on to some metal here and you want him to bring that kind of communication to the session. Uh, so it's kind of hard to explain what I'm trying to say, but it's just getting to know the producer, know what he likes, what he talks about, and listen to him when he's what he's saying, and kind of analyze a little bit about how he thinks about this and that. And eventually, I mean, I've worked with producers where I just cannot possibly work with them. We're just night and day. And and uh, so, anyways, Tom Baird was one that we felt ultra comfortable with Norman Whitfield we didn't have that same level of comfort uh, I often say that when we we did this album called Ma which I'll talk about much later but and after it was all said and done and after maybe you understand what happened on the album but I kind of said, hey, this is like a Norman Whitfield album played by Rare Earth. So I don't feel that, I mean, what we got was interesting stuff and a lot of people like it and that's great. That's great, that's great. But personally, I don't think that we did the Ma album with uh, let's see, let's let's capture Rare Earth in in what they do best. I don't think we got there. We did on the uh, on the album Ecology with Born to Wander, with things like Long Time Leaving, uh, uh, some of the other songs on there, John's uh, Nice Place to Visit. So we were starting to develop songs ourselves, and even though Norman came in, and that was a that was a cool thing. It was just a day a day long, and then three days later, I was hearing the record upstairs at Motown in the offices. So they were all getting kind of turned on with uh, losing you. Well, hey, fine, great. I'm glad you're getting turned on with something here because isn't that what it's all about? So we were doing pretty good. You know, we had Get Ready out there. We had Losing You out there. And then not too much later in 1970, here comes Born to Wander. We got like three hits going on and our shows are taken a turn for the better we started getting calls for oh gosh so many many cities uh, big cities you know we were we were going to be the opening act before some big super act 
and and uh, there were even some bands on before us. So now we were not the opener. We were like we climbed the ladder a couple rungs, with you know, and that takes two three hit records to to get to that point. But they weren't little hole in the wall places either. These were starting to be convention centers, big theaters, outdoor festivals. So there was a buzz going on and it was really good. And we would take some dates and we'd fly off and we'd go do them. And we had the road crew and the road manager, all good people working for us. And, uh, We'd go out there and, and play some of these shows, and, and you know, I, I can't begin to remember every place we played because, well, I've played in almost every city. I mean, it's one time my daughter and I looked at a map and picked out where I had been. And it turned out that I was in all 50 states in probably five to 10 cities within each state a couple of times. So we got around. To remember all of them would be just incredibly difficult. Uh, from time to time, I'll some cross my mind and I'll just kind of talk about it if you don't mind. So that's where we're at right now. One of the funny things that happens is people come up and they say, man, I remember when you guys played here or there. And I remember the fact that we went to that city, but I don't remember much about the show. We did thousands of shows, and it's impossible to remember what happened at each one. Sometimes, you know, I can rattle my brain a little bit and come up with... Uh, you know, something. And when I go back to a certain town that I've been in before, it, it all feels so deja vu-y. And uh, I don't know what else to say about that, except a lot of traveling, you know, 40 years and just going, going, going. And, you know, going into a city, you get to the venue and there's opening acts or maybe we're an opening act or in, in the back room and the back dressing rooms, you know, people all around in bands and guys go out and do their shows and it's over and you hear the applause and then it's our turn. We go out on the stage, we do the show, have a good time and we go to the back room and then in the car and off we go to a hotel that is a lot like every hotel we stay in. So sometimes there isn't the time to really absorb just exactly where we are. I used to go out by myself and drive around a town. I still do it because I just want to kind of get a feel for the pulse of the city and what the folks, you know, look like out there and you know, maybe how they're dressed and how they, how they act in public and stores and just kind of absorbing it. And that's a lot of fun for me, I guess, sometimes. Anyway, that's one of the things that I do. So, hopefully, if I bump into you, we can talk about maybe if I played near you 30, 40 years ago. And maybe we will remember that maybe you were the guy in the blue shirt. Or you were the lady in the red dress. One, two, three. <laughs>
Well, thanks for listening. My name is Peter Rivera, original lead singer drummer of Rare Earth, and I really appreciate that you've listened to these podcasts. I hope you come back and check out more. I've got a lot ahead of us and a lot of the story for you, so come on back and hang with me for a while. I bring you flowers, baby, because you're the best. I'm going to treat you so much better. 